0: before the pandemic i i didn't check my emails as much as i check them now i check them what 3 4 times a day now compared to before which was once a week i think it's definitely like upgraded a lot since the pandemic because
1: this is that marketing podcast
0: made by marketers for marketers
2: welcome to another episode of that marketing podcast from spotly uk As we're bridging the gap between season one and season two, I thought it'd be good to have a look internally and see from the perspective of the teams within Spotlight that have most regular contact with the outside world, what what we've sort of seen as a a summary of 2021 and how 2022 is likely to pan out. So we've got a whole whole ensemble cast joining me for this one. Guys, do you want to
3: introduce yourselves?
1: Hi, I'm Melissa from Support.
3: Hey guys, it's Marlon here from sales.
0: Hi, I'm Dana and I'm from marketing.
2: Cool, so I thought we'd start with events, which has obviously been the thing that's been massively impacted um, by the pandemic, by lockdown, by all the things that have followed up, but it seems to be there's a bit of an appetite for that. Um, for that to come back, certainly with the marketing team, we're now planning to do some live events, getting back out to some expos. Um, the rest of that kind of tell you with your experience what other
1: people are saying i definitely think events will be coming back in full force in 2022 and i feel this way because events haven't really been anything that before that clients were asking us too much about due to the pandemic however now things are opening up more we're getting more clients now asking us how do i set up this event how am i able to do this how do i send out um, the confirmation email just anything to do with events like that is coming back so I think 2022 will have a lot more events.
3: Yeah I think generally across the board people are looking forward to getting back some sort of normality um, whether that's in sport or, or you know going out to pubs and bars and things so I think that will follow suit in business. Um, So, yeah, ourselves, as you mentioned, Richard, we're hosting an event or we're part of an exhibition in November. So very much looking forward to getting back to that, meeting some clients face to face. So, yeah, something to look forward to.
2: I think one of the things that came out from from this expo is that we thought we'd get, we think we're getting a smaller turnout. Do you think it's fair that we'll get sort of a more focused set of bars? Like you won't get the people that are just there for a bit of a jolly. You'll get the people that are actually shopping, if
3: you like. I hope so. They're always at events, there seems to be people that are just going there to collect the free pens and the free uh, <laughs> bits and pieces. So, yeah, that would be the ideal outcome, I think. Cool. And in terms of when you're trying to sell the spot, the that we've got, of the, the, the events integration,
2: that I mean, obviously primarily for webinars, but it does serve a function for in-person events as well. Is that coming up in sales conversations still, or is it a bit early days for that?
3: Um, it definitely is, I know I've got a couple of clients that are looking at it for that side of things, I think, to be fair though, a lot of businesses have done well in transitioning to sort of online webinars and, and obviously we've got functionality for that as well, um, but yes it is coming up. Is it almost too far the other way, that
2: like people have got so used to webinars now, they think well events cost, you know, a seminar costs a lot more to put on than a webinar for you've got to do a bit of catering there, you've got to get um, get a location. You can see if people are, think actually it's not worth, you know, I've interviewed a few people and they've said actually our sales team's like likely able to do all their demos from their laptops rather than on the road. They've gotten so comfortable with presenting through Zoom or whatever else that actually think, oh, why, why would I get out of bed, travel three hours to do a one hour presentation? Are you feeling like you want to get out
3: on the road i i am personally i think it would depend industry to industry i know hospitality are keen to get out and meet people face to face a lot of software companies are perhaps happier or more comfortable doing things remotely um so yeah i think there is an there is an element of that i think for the bigger companies as well they're probably still a little bit um more risk averse so you know they're not forcing their employees to come in and not perhaps not gonna be exhibiting at events and things like that. So there is still this element of uncertainty, I think, for the next couple of months at least. Um, but I think that's gonna you know, gradually get better and better. Things are gonna to start to open up more and more uh, into 2022.
1: I also think that there is a, that case of, you do learn a bit more and take things in a bit more when you're face-to-face. And you tend to present a bit better when you know that you've got people in front of you that you can focus on.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, speaking speaking in front of a like just directly to a laptop screen can be quite quite intimidating sometimes. So like, when you're in the room with other people, it's just it's a bit more lively. Like the ambience is there, if that makes sense for an for an event as well.
2: Yeah, it's a bit, a bit like Zoom fatigue's a thing, isn't it? That like you kind of because you're not because you've got to go through a connection. You're you have to, like, your your brain has to work harder to decode all the kind of the nonverbal signals that are there. I mean, from your perspective, is are people asking about it from a webinar view, or are they, are they thinking about seminars when they talk about our events?
1: When talking about our events function, it is mostly to do with in-person. I haven't really had that many cases where clients have asked about the webinar function. They do use it, however, the cases that I've been working on, they're more looking at in-person events now so that's
0: quite that's quite useful for for us on like a marketing side because then it gives us like a bit of a pinpoint on what we could focus on for for next year so a lot of the 2022 things that i i myself am looking to do is doing a lot more in a lot more like in-house smaller events so where we could actually hold small workshops where we could have our customers come in and um they could just sit down with us for about half an hour to an hour for a day and be like hey this is what this is what our workshop is on about this is what our workshop is about today come and join us
1: cool
2: Yeah. if we scale out to to border things then obviously my events is a part of what we do but it's not the the biggest part i'm interested to see what the kind of opinions are about the kind of messages people want to send the kind of way they want to wield marketing automation things like, that. like one of the things I noticed was our IP lookup setup took a while to catch on to the fact that people were now working from home. You know, we had millions of billions of IP business IP addresses all stacked. We knew where we knew where everybody was. But then as soon as they go home they're something on a different IP address um, and we have to sort of start from scratch. Has that been a problem for everyone you think or is that mostly a spot issue?
3: Well, to be fair, I think that's something that has massively worked in our favour. So when we're up against the likes of lead forensics, the lead feeders, the, the candies of this world, where they're only able to match based on the IP address, we've got the added benefit that we can do it through dropping a cookie, where we can identify the exact individual. Um, everybody, of course, will be aware of that. So when we're speaking or when I'm personally speaking to prospects, I can really use that as a, as a big positive... Um, and, and something that we can do above and beyond what anybody else in the market really is able to do. So I've been able to spin it to a, to, to become a positive.
2: Brilliant. Is customers that have cottoned onto this as well, do you
1: think? Or yeah, just... customers definitely like to use cookies. They definitely use that function. And I think it's good that we implement that and that they can use that. And it is making it marketing more effective for them. And they also use pearls, which are personalized URLs. Which is similar to the cookie
2: um I didn't know what was happening in um, trying to think about more about the the email settings that, that we said. I've been looking through our subject lines and analysis that we do. It's also a really good tool on the website for anyone who's listening to this, go and check out after you finish this the podcast, listen, check out the subject lines live page. And weirdly the thing that well, I'm sort of seeing scrolling back through the Sort of aggregated month results is how, actually how little some things have changed, in. particularly in the past year we've been doing this analysis looking back from March onwards, how the level of the, the amount, the level of personalization, the level of emoji use, the kind of length of subject line and functional, we divide them into sort of sales and marketing ones, functional things, newsletter type sends, and actually what I've seen it really is it's actually quite a consistent pattern. There's not been that kind of huge step change that you might have expected. I suppose that's the thing that email, you can reach people everywhere because it's the one business channel that everybody uses consistently. We've seen things like Clubhouse and Audio Only that a few are jumping on the bandwagon, but not everyone is, but email. And I don't know anyone who doesn't have an email address. So, I mean, across all three of you, what do you think has been any real changes in how people are using email across the pandemic or is it has it is it maintaining its reputation as the kind of boring but very very efficient workhorse of the group
1: i think it's been even more important in the pandemic
0: yeah for sure i feel like people are using it i mean before the pandemic i i didn't check my emails as much as i check them now i check them what three four times a day now compared to before which was once a week i think it's definitely like upgraded a lot since the pandemic because Everything's just on there now. All the useful information that we need.
2: I suppose it's the one thing that hasn't changed. We're talking about IP IP addresses to but people are still using the same email address, so it remains the reliable way way to reach them. And we you're not you not want people getting into short short term meetings and discussions, that they probably are looking at their inbox more
3: yeah. often. I, I'd mirror that as well. I, I agree with that. I think uh, it's a case of whereas if you're in an office, you would tend to have meetings all the time. For things that could just be put in an email whereas where people are working from home a lot more it's either going to be a zoom call or it's going to be an email so, so yeah definitely without looking at the data just anecdotally i'd say yeah the emails are probably they're still consistently the number one form of communication um and yeah probably gone up in the last year year and a half also people these days just don't like speaking on the phone as much as they do <laughs> uh, for a, for a text or what, through an email, so yeah, that probably comes into it too.
1: Also, being on your phone all the time, as soon as that email comes in, you just tap it, and you've seen it. You don't even need to be on your desktop or laptop. You can, you just have it on your phone, so you can be travelling and immediately contact people. So it is very accessible. I'll it
2: around the other way. The email, you've got time to reply to it. As you want if people are um, if people are sort of moving, moving, working non-traditional hours, you know, you could be sit upset by up 10 a.m.
1: 10pm at night, and I'll, get, I'll, I'll quickly go through the emails now. it, works, it sits in the inbox, pace, it's not
2: like like an expiry date or anything. like oh,
3: that. With out. email, it's sort of on your terms. Absolutely, I like that as a as a big <laughs> selling point of it. Yeah. Have you ever used that, Marlon, as a? You use email for businesses? On is on. No, but I am start putting that
1: into my subject lines. <laughs> I
3: hope yeah. I get credit. <laughs> 10% sent the commission off. You get. Yeah. <laughs> of
2: that one. Yeah, I mean, we've, the one thing we've not tested that I, maybe we should have done over the pandemic, room, we will going forward, is changes in email frequency. I've seen a few studies that say people are happy to receive emails more than once a day from, from a brand if it is relevant and targeted properly. I don't know if that would apply to me, but then you fall into the trap. Say, are you your own target audience? always I always tell people that the spotless marketing team are our own target audience because we are b2b marketers and we're targeting b2b marketers so maybe we're less worried about some of those kind of traps that we can fall into of modeling our modeling what we think people are going to do based on our own behavior because in, we're in we're in that rare instance where you could do that without it being inaccurate
3: I, I'll, I'll say on that if it was hyper relevant and um yeah interesting information valuable information there would be a case for it if it was coming from me and i I was just trying to sell to somebody probably less so but i suppose it depends on the industry the business and and how how valuable the information that you're you're sending is there could be a case for multiple times a day otherwise i would i'd say maybe a little bit overkill
1: (laughs) from a support perspective we have some clients who Have sent out multiple emails a day and sometimes this can actually backfire because it can in fact um make you less reputable your domain because you're over sending from a technical technical point of view you're sending out too many and you're getting a bad reputation yeah we've
0: um in in the marketing team we've tried to limit it out so that we send out roughly about four emails a week to our customers so that they're not bombarded with emails um but this is like varied between like inviting them to like um, an event or giving them some new updated information and so on
2: yeah I mean that's one of the things we're we keep resting with it. a lot of our because we try to practice what we preach a lot of our nurturing campaigns are automated and they're kind of set on two-day delays rather than day of the week sentence. if like if you if you download one of our resources two days late you'll get an email two days after that you'll get something slightly different to try and sort of maintain your interest levels and actually then when we're when we're looking at setting up a new one to try and have the sort of suppressed group where some people aren't getting bombarded with loads of different things it's becoming a really tricky exercise and that's potentially something that we could do better so rather day have day rather than, sorry, so you get an email every Tuesday off, off, the, off the resource download or every Wednesday from an event. And that might make things a lot smoother. I don't know if that's a problem that anyone else is having as well, that they're lining things up.
1: Clients definitely use the function for batch sending. That is a really big thing. So within our Gator Mail, you can send out your campaign, for example, on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays from 9 till 5. So you can have your campaign only send out in that time frame. And it does work for clients. And I think breaking up your sending like that can be beneficial to your campaign. Yeah, I keep meaning to do, do some analysis on like that. We look at the highest performing subject lines
2: during the weekdays, we have just thought we should actually go back and look at the weekend ones as well. Because that feeds back into non-traditional hours and yeah. email being on your terms that perhaps sending emails and people say, oh yeah, I'll go for on Sunday night, so I've got a clear inbox for Monday. Perhaps sending Sunday at 5 p.m. actually will get someone someone in there. Got, you can't predict thing, people's behavior as much as you try.
3: It's interesting you say that. I found that I've had some good responses from emailing people late at night around 9, 10 o'clock in the financial industry in particular, because they just work crazy hours and sometimes either they're free or, or available to respond to the email. Or I also think there's a bit of it that they sort of respect the hustle that you're still working <laughs> yeah. late at night. So they're like, all right, I'll give this guy a chance because he's reach
1: out. grinding.
3: A, yeah, he's putting the grinding. So yes, yeah, it would be interesting to run the analysis by industry. Yeah, I mean that's the, that's the, the privileged position that we're in that was we serve so many different industries. We can get little snapshots I of that. we looked to... at. Click through the average click through rate for industries. I think the page is still live on the website,
1: and there's there's a, there's definitely a couple of percent difference in. I can't, I can't think what the highest one is. I think I think business technology is probably one of the higher ones. Um, but yeah, is there, there is enough of an, an industry difference
2: there that you can that you need to have this data to look at and like a, and do the analysis. You will find we'll find some patterns.
0: Yeah, I mean, so far, the patterns that, from just looking at this, year, the patterns that um, that I've found within marketing is that people are most likely to open up your emails either on a Monday either on Monday or a Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, a bit less likely, but I think it would be really good to see um, for 2022, like, how many emails we get opened, like, on weekends so we can start comparing. Yeah, that's
2: probably expand, expand the... Uh sending times out, and just you know, that's, a, that's a split test waiting to happen, isn't that? That's the most basic one you can do to set campaigns set at different times.
3: Yeah. It'd
2: interesting to see if you get if you get if I mean we're getting quite deep now, but whether whether different subject lines work better at different times of day, like is a you know if you're talking about a kind of hard sell subject line, that probably needs to be during office hours because very few people, certainly that we're emailing, are going to be sort of sole buyers of B2B, and I think the there's an average of seven people per B2B buying decision at the moment, so that's not going kind to of work, but then the kind the, of the war introductory ones, maybe they do do better, when people have got, or event ones particularly, when people have got time to to sit and digest it outside the flow of their normal work, you're not kind of interrupting them.
3: Have a bit of a read, yeah, yeah, I, I just think, um, yeah, Friday afternoon's is probably, just don't bother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <and then laughs> no one's sitting <everything> on
1: Friday. <laughs> afternoon, Friday they? afternoon is always dead.
2: <laughs> Friday afternoon, but they listening to podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's quite a quite a deep summary about twenty minutes of all the uh, of all the things we've seen. So... Do you have any other predictions? Um, trying to think of any that we've not not covered so far. I think I think I've I've got to go. I have to go back and check this. think I think I've, I've, I did a work a webinar with workbooks where I kind of said that there's fewer, like a lot of things we think it was going to be a seismic change, and actually it's not panned out that way. I'm going to have to go back and check exactly what I said about that, but I feel like it's starting to be borne out now a year or so later on. That, you know, the, the new normal isn't that different from the old normal. Is probably my biggest, I'm like, little things are changing, there are, there are tweaks and things happening, but actually, a lot of the fun particularly for b2b i mean i know that we're now expanding to I think we're sort of serving a b2c audience for now and coming back in a year when that's fully up and running and comparing that data set will be will be a really interesting product and definitely worth an episode on its own i think but for now i think B2, b2b is probably pretty resilient and not actually going to change too much and actually <laughs> a lot of the stuff we're doing is working so long, long way that way I think that's my Not prediction but anti-prediction is that let's let's stick with the stuff that we know works because that's if that if if a global lockdown can't shake off some of these things then I don't
1: really know what it's going to be able
3: to (laughs) do so what do I think yeah I'd agree I think there's going to be some more remote working I think people have kind of have enjoyed that element of it and and you know saving a bit of time and money from traveling and, and having perhaps a bit more work life balance in terms of my prediction from, from Spotlight, i think we've got some really exciting things coming up and, and i'm sure there's going to be some announcements this week i'm not sure when the podcast is coming out but obviously we've got to catch up on thursday the 22nd is it so um yeah so yeah i think there might be a bit of a shift in um and what we're going to be doing as a company so yeah i think is we've got an exciting 2022 to look forward to i
2: mean oh, the one, one thing we should point out is that Spotler conference is coming back well it was was gatorcon is now Spotler summit because between the year between rebranding and locking down we really sadly missed out in 2021 and doing that um i'm really forward to that that's always interesting to have we've got a few I guess, Seth Godin and Mark Riston are going to be there and I've got fans there and either whether it's big guests or, or smaller partners I imagine workbooks a few other people are going to be around giving their thoughts and you always come away from those with something that you didn't probably didn't expect to come away with. I think just the benefit of getting 200 odd marketers in a room together that's where, where these ideas can pop up and I'll, I'll personally I need to pay more you pay, need to pay most attention in the in the dinners and the bits in between tasks, because then you get the the kind of raw, unplanned feedback from the industry experience. Obviously, we've tried to tap into a lot of experience on today's podcast, but just having people from those industries rather than than our kind of interpretation of what they're doing, having them there in the flesh and stuff just comes out. So that'll be, the speakers will be fantastic. I've got no, no problem in picking them up at all, but actually just, being in front of the people again, and and for me as an extrovert, then being in front of people is way more energising than than sitting behind a laptop. So I can't wait for that.
3: Yeah, great. Looking forward to that one.
0: Really, I'm Super excited. excited.
3: Cool. Okay. maybe go.
2: we've got a, got a little pitch in at the end of the podcast, so I <laughs> think that's a good time to to wrap things up. and then I hope uh, we will reconvene in six months and re- re-listen to those predictions and those thoughts and and see where we got, where to see how we got on, but thanks so much for being on and I'll speak to you again in a bit. Bye. Cheers guys. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of That Marketing Podcast. You clearly have wonderful taste. We hope you found the content useful and, and enjoyed it. We'd love you to subscribe wherever it is you're listening to us maybe leave us a review if you can think of a topic that you you'd like us to cover or even if you fancy coming on the podcast and sharing your own experience on a particular topic that uh, you can reach us at marketingteam at spotler.co.uk thanks once again and happy marketing